We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Rotoware NFL Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Of course, I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and join alongside me, as always, is Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Week seven is in the books, and frankly, Jake, I don't know if there's been a more bizarre fantasy week than what we saw this past Sunday and Monday. Obviously, the Patriots obliterated the Jets. We'll get to that in a little bit. And there's actually a handful of guys that are relevant pickups and probably pretty significant free agent bids or acquisitions uh, available. But the biggest takeaway that I had from Week 7 was just how weird it was. Marvin Mm -hmm. Jones scored four touchdowns. We had an onside or kick return for a touchdown. We had different teams going off. The Vikings and Lions were the highest scoring game of the week. Like, just a lot of really weird things that mm-hmm. went on. And I think in probably half the leagues, I scored under 60 points and I still managed to win two of them. Yeah, I definitely am guilty of winning matchups 80 to 60 this week. That's for sure. Because, you know, the week's big performers were on 
people's benches. That seems to be the big takeaway. I don't. I can't remember a bigger bench scoring. Very rarely do you see regular benches scoring over 100 points, but you get 33 from Chase Edmonds, 40 from Marvin Jones. These guys having career days. And, I mean, the, the Chase Edmonds thing was difficult because we had David Johnson, who was going to be emergency only, come out and get the first carry of the game because that was such an emergency and then get benched. So, right. uh, you know, I, <laughs> right. I, could, I could rant on that all day. Oh, we're going could, to. Oh, and we, and we will. We'll talk about the running backs because guess who's still under 50% owned. Um, but before we get to running backs, you know, we, we can uh, we, we can talk about the odd week overall. But, you know, to keep it consequential here, I mean, there's a Monday night football game. The Patriots destroyed the Jets. Sam Darnold looked awful. The Patriots looked like the Patriots. Sony Michelle owners got their makeup from last week when, you know, everyone thought he was going to have the greatest matchup in the world. Right. And maybe disappointed despite somehow getting 24 touches. Well, that t- whole touchdown variance evened out in a big way this week and definitely cost me one of my matchups. Um, but overall, I mean, this is a they are who they thought they were game for both teams pretty much. Yeah. Did you see the or did you hear the quote with Sam Darnold said he literally because he was mic'd up that he was seeing ghosts. Have on seen that? ghosts That's yeah. so unfortunate. And I was a huge mm-hmm. Sam Darnold truther. And really, I, I still am, actually. I'm not turned away from that game. Of course, our very own Chris Liss has uh, been very, very vocal about his dislike for Sam Darnold, mainly mm-hmm. because he's a Giants fan. So by law, you yeah. are, have to root against them and the Saquon so. Barkley thing. But I, I, I've, I've been impressed with what Darnold has done in some games, and obviously this is not one of them. Mm-hmm. This I'm chalking up to just being the Patriots defense and Bill Belichick and everything else, and oh, yes. less on Sam Darnold. Yeah, they, they showed a stat on the telecast where against first and second year quarterbacks, the Patriots have a 20-game winning streak. Yeah. So, you know, you You've got that going for you now. Sam Darnold, just a, he played bad against the best defense in the league by a mile and the best game planner in the league by a mile. I'll give him that. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I'm still holding on to him because, you know, we mentioned this last year, this upcoming schedule, Jacksonville without Jalen Ramsey. Okay, he's been traded. Miami, Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami. That, exactly. That's beautiful. So I'm not willing to cut him. And if someone else cut him and you, you're you in a league that um, maybe allows a QB flex and someone got got rid of him or you're in a league where you can afford to hang on to a QB too, he's still someone that I'm okay with rostering even after this just horrifically dreadful performance. Four interceptions, 11 for 32. Uh, he just didn't look good out there. I just hope that this game didn't affect his psyche too much to the point where it becomes a, a net negative that affects him moving forward. But the matchups yeah. coming up are fantastic. Le'Veon Bell still plays hard. He still gives it at all. I've been wrong about him this week, this this year. And, you know, there's still some receiving weapons there to, uh, you know, maybe not get excited about, but they're serviceable guys. They might get Chris Herndon back there's a reason to look up if you're a Jets fan at least if you're a fantasy owner of Jets players maybe it's weird to say that following a complete blowout of the Jets on primetime television Monday night that the biggest takeaway is the Patriots made a trade and acquired a wide receiver Mohamed Sanu who was kind of talked about maybe going to the Packers or 49ers some other teams looking for receiver was dealt to the Patriots on Monday night for a second-round pick. Obviously, the, the compensation for that trade is pretty significant. I would imagine the Bengals are pretty happy if they're looking to trade A.J. Green, same for the Bron- Broncos and Emmanuel Sanders. Like This this helps just about everybody that's trying to trade receivers at this yeah, point. That's quite a second-round pick. The second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, who is the third-string receiver for the Falcons, and has been great. And There was, of course, a report later on that Schefter uh, mentioned that said the Patriots have been trying to get Sanu prior to the draft and were interested in signing him when he was in free agency in 2016. Mm-hmm. All this to say, what's your interest in Mohamed Sanu right now and his fantasy value? Josh Gordon has been limited by an injury. We don't know his status. Julian Edelman is about the lone receiver you have confidence in besides James White mm-hmm. for the Patriots passing attack. I mean, it's a wash for me. Sanu is a guy 
guy that maybe you'd do a desperation flex with Atlanta, and I think the situation might be a little bit better there because there's going to be weeks where, I mean, he'll be Sanu will be limited to single-digit targets almost every week the rest of the season. Jacoby Myers looked pretty good last night. There's no reason to take a bunch of work away from him. You know, they've still got Julian Edelman, who, who Brady's going to want to go to. Philip Dorsett was productive. They throw to their backs as much, if not more, than any team in the league. It's a wash for me. I don't think that much differently of Sanu. I'm not trying to uh, increase him increase my asking price in a trade or try to get him as a kicker or anything like that you know he's probably someone that is roughly still at that replacement level line in terms of waiver wire ride receivers so we'll get to that in a little bit but okay it's no secret you and I both support the Packers and right. uh, the Packers are a team that is in the market for a wide receiver here if someone would have said you can have Muhammad Sanu but you have to give up a second round pick I would have said no no, no, I was I of the I don't receivers even think AJ were, Green or Sanders is worth a second round pick, but of the receivers that were discussed that are available, I I liked Sanu the most. I thought he would really fit well and you look at the limitations the Packers have with their young receivers, the slot position, Geronimo Allison is the one that really I think is the most replaceable for this year and for the future and I thought Sanu makes a lot of sense for that spot, but not for a second round pick and now as a guy that would like to see Emmanuel Sanders in the Packers, you're right. I wouldn't want to give up a second round I mean, pick either. I'm thinking fourth round pick at best. And it, Evidently, there are reports and even that the, makes me uneasy. The 49ers are the the front runner to acquire Emmanuel Sanders as soon as this week. So, if that's the case, guys like Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, three prominent receivers, young receivers that were all kind of talked about as maybe uh, fancy breakout years uh, at this at this season mm-hmm. or entering the season. I don't know what to make of that. And if I'm a Packers fan, I'd love to try and get the windfall of one of those guys. It just doesn't seem likely, and I, I wouldn't want the price. Now, this isn't a podcast about yes. the Packers, but this is a relevant point of converse, conversation with the trade deadline approaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some fantasy value in those fringy Packers options because you see Aaron Rodgers didn't have a whole lot to work with. Uh, Valdez Scantling played less than half of the snaps, I believe. And with the cast that he had, he still was responsible for six touchdowns. So is, does that make the Packers less likely to try to aggressively trade? Maybe if the price is that high, definitely. But uh, I think these these fringe Packers receivers are guys that we're going to talk about in the waiver wire section from from week to week moving forward because there will be some value there. I agree with you. And uh, we'll get to the quarterbacks first, and obviously we'll work our way down to Jake's victory lap for Chase Edmonds and the receivers, tight ends, defenses in just a little bit. But first, the NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18, and United States is, and there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little bit of cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. Again, we've been doing this podcast now for much more than seven weeks, but certainly seven weeks of the regular season. Um, we'll continue to go all the way through the rest of the regular season, obviously. But we've been trying to highlight players that are under 50% owned on our our sponsored uh, podcast at Yahoo. So, again, looking the, when we're talking about streaming quarterbacks or maybe other running backs that might be available in your leagues, we're trying to target maybe a few of the under-owned guys or underappreciated guys in most formats. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of lists and waiver wire shows out there because, um, you know, I always like to survey the competition a little bit. A lot of people are touting Matt Stafford this week versus right. the Giants. Yeah, he seems like he, he's got a pretty good matchup. But at 59% owned in Yahoo, where – 
I, I mean, you don't really have that great of a chance to get him. So we're hopefully going to dive a little bit deeper into the streamers. I mean, last week we talked about Kirk Cousins, um, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen. Daniel Jones obviously didn't work out, but the other two worked out phenomenally. And now we have Kirk Cousins, who's up to 65% owned. Um, and... It, and rightfully so. He's uh, he's definitely turned things around this season and has uh and and has moved on and, and become a very viable fantasy asset. We'll be curious to see if, how the Thielen injury affects things, though. Yeah, uh, Ravens and Cowboys only two bye weeks for Week Eight, which I thought was strange initially. In fact, I went and checked and rechecked the work that you had done on there to make sure because after having four bye weeks last week and four bye weeks next week, it felt weird that two were there. Week Ten's the big one. There's like six on bye yeah, week ten. Uh, unfortunately, this is a prominent. For two prominent teams, obviously, Lamar Jackson, the top fantasy quarterback, I think right now, thanks in large, large part of the fact that he just keeps running for 100-plus yards every single game. And then Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott, two receivers, and Cooper and Gallup that are used. So while it's only two teams, it's a lot of prominent players from those teams. So we'll start first with the quarterbacks, obviously. Looking for the fill-ins for Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson, you have a Teddy Bridgewater, 16% owned, going against the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals sacked Daniel Jones eight times last week. Patrick Peterson, in his return after a six-game suspension, did pretty well. Uh, that might not be as enticing as a matchup as it might have been two weeks ago. There's Derek Carr, who looked really darn good, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about the receivers against the Packers' defense, which we think is pretty good this season. And then there's Ryan Tannehill at 5% owned mm-hmm. against the Buccaneers' defense, and he looked uh, over 300-plus passing yards against the Chargers' defense while that's limited or missing some secondary players should still be okay, and not to the point where Tannehill, of all people, is throwing for 300-plus yards. Yeah, so, so interesting. You mentioned the top fantasy-scoring quarterback, so I had to go take a look. Two of the top five are on a bye this week. So the ranking that I'm looking at is Lamar Jackson, uh, who just passed Russell Wilson three points ahead this week, Deshaun Watson, and then Dak Prescott, and then Patrick Mahomes is number five, who says that rushing quarterbacks do not matter. It's apparently the story of the entire league this year. But, okay, so number one and number four are out this week. What the heck do we do? Teddy Bridgewater was the first one that jumped to mine. Of course, you know, I did the same thing with Daniel Jones last week, maybe fell into a little bit of a trap. It seems like whether or not Kamara's healthy, the Saints are still going to limit a little bit what Teddy Bridgewater will do. They'll still get Michael Thomas double-digit targets, and maybe he does something with that. But it's a run-first team. So he's an option, but not necessarily a great option. Uh, Derek Carr on the road at Houston. That makes things interesting for me. I think he might be the guy that I'll be targeting. He's also the highest owned at about 20%, just because I can see shootout potential similar to where it was with the Packers this week. Fortunately, the Packers got just enough stops. But uh, Derek Carr, I mean, losing Tyrell Williams, he's still finding a way to get it done with Darren Waller having such a such a deal but uh Ryan Tannehill is actually interesting me a little bit and maybe the more I think about this I could get my mind changed over the course of the week but they're airing it out a little bit more and uh, they get a Tampa Bay defense that was torn apart by Kyle Allen on the and the Panthers in London a couple weeks back so uh he represents an intriguing option as well in terms of streamers I'm I'm intrigued by all three of those options but the most and I feel so gross saying this, more gross than I obviously sound given my uh, cold going on at this moment. I think it's Tannehill. Of those three options, I think Tannehill is my favorite one. I like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis as weapons, and we'll get to them in terms of pickup options in a little bit. Obviously, we had kind of written off Corey Davis earlier this year, but the talent for both those guys Mm -hmm. is better than anybody else for the Saints. And I know the Saints have Michael Thomas, but they really just have Michael Thomas, especially if Kamara's out, and certainly better than the Raiders who are trotting out Darren Waller and then a bunch of fourth and fifth string receivers and tight ends. So I like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, and I think they should be able to take advantage of that defense. And if Tannehill's able to throw the ball and they're not able to move the ball with their Henry, 
Why not assume that you can get another 250 plus yards? And we know he's athletic enough to run. Now, we, we didn't see it last week, but the possibility and capability is there for Tannehill to do that and give you a little bit of extra. You just talked about Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson as well. Mm-hmm. Three of the five top fantasy quarterbacks all are very mobile and can make plays happen uh, out of the pocket. I wonder if Tannehill can do that. Again, I feel so gross saying it. Um, but if you're desperate and you are missing a Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott and you didn't plan according like I did with as Lamar Jackson owner and got a Stafford off the bench or something else like that, I think it's okay to to roll the dice with Tannehill. And, and you know, we might have to go down to some of these options because looking at the latest news on 40-year-old Drew Brees, he's eyeing this week eight return. He could come back. It is possible. Now, the last three weeks, Bridgewater, 30.4 fantasy points, uh, 16 fantasy points, 22.75 fantasy points. That might be a little high. I think this is a point per 20 yard passing league I'm looking at but nonetheless uh, he's been good the last couple weeks and you would think Arizona would prove to be a favorable matchup there's another we're running into this problem where we record early in the week and and we're going to do our best to give it to you but uh, Teddy Bridgewater might not be in consideration for the top uh, pick here so if then if it's between Carr and Tannehill I mean obviously I'll look for uh, I'll look for Stafford look for Cousins first if those guys are out there I generally feel safer about the two of them most likely here but uh as far as availability guys go yeah i think uh, it's between Carr and Tannehill for me and uh i think we're tight on this but i'm gonna go Carr just because we have a little bit more of a sample size i suppose what did you think about the raiders trading gary and conley for a third round pick to the texans who they play this week so now the texans have a secondary player that while he looked horrible against the packers last week generally considered an okay player uh and well obviously you'd have to imagine have some insight as to the raiders offense narrative-wise at all, maybe I'm stretching, but does that make you a little bit concerned about what Carr could do? I don't know if I can make a, a serious enough decision like that off the narrative. Um, at the same time, Carr and company know his weaknesses, if there are any, so you could play that both ways if you really wanted true. to. True, that's very um, true. So I, I, it doesn't change anything for okay. me. I'll, I'll, I'll put a $3 bid on Carr and back it up with a $1 bid on Tannehill, probably what I'm looking at here. Uh, in deeper, deeper, deeper leagues, two quarterback maybe, leagues. Yeah, two I mean, quarterback I, I mean even, I mean, that's why we have this conversation, right? <laughs> even in that extent, obviously, Matt Moore is going to be taking over a quarterback for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes expected to be out at least. It seems like week to week could be three weeks, could be five weeks, anywhere in between. Could be two weeks. <laughs> this week, though, for certain, we know that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be able to play. They're going against the Packers defense. As a Packers fan. I am by no means discounting this this contest. I think it's going to be close. It's always difficult to play in Arrowhead. And the Chiefs have a lot of really talented skill mm-hmm. position players like Tyreek Hill uh, and the rest of those speed demons that could present the Packers defense problems. However, do you think Matt Moore could do something with those guys against this defense? Mm-hmm. That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Yeah, we at least saw last week that even though the QBR and the rating numbers aren't necessarily there, Matt Moore is capable of running the offense, especially when they have uh, this type of talent there, obviously with the, uh, the healthy Tyreek Hill. You know, we still got Travis Kelsey, Marcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, all those guys, maybe Sammy Watkins. We will see on that. So it's, it's a viable option. I mean, Derek Carr could have had a massive fantasy day against the Packers if the Packers had wouldn't have you know created a couple turnovers and got a couple of stops. So the possibility is there. Um, but you know, I'm not willing to put him ahead of the possible streamers we talk, but in a two quarterback league with these two guys, you know, Lamar Jackson and, uh, and Dak Prescott on a buy, um, he's a pickup option in a two quarterback league. And then the last guy, again, just the name, not really advising doing this, but Matt Schaub could start if Matt Ryan's ankle injury uh, forces some kind of an absence. We will see on that. I think that means more about the means more for the Seattle defense possibly um, than actually picking up Matt Schaub as a streamer. But I, you know, I've seen 16 team two quarterback or super flex oh, sure. leagues, and uh, there's a, there's a there's a role for these people there. Absolutely, now, I agree with you. It makes me a little bit more hesitant to start a Julio Jones or Kelvin Ridley, but in the case of Jones, you can't bench him anyhow. And I think 
especially after the Muhammad Sanu trade. I don't know if you could really bench Kelvin Ridley if you had him either, given you have to imagine the Falcons mm-hmm. will be trailing yes. and trailing often as we've oh, seen yeah. much throughout the season. So. Yeah, the Sanu trade actually helps Kelvin Ridley quite I, a bit I, I because even if the uh, even if the Falcons are horrible, he's a young wide receiver that's under contract for a while and he's plenty skilled and talented. And if Julio Jones decides to mail it in, uh, did he get his contract? I can't remember. He did. Yep, he got it oh, right to it? start week one. Okay. Yep. So, but anyway, maybe just as good of a reason to mail it in because <laughs> he's paid now and the team's not going anywhere. Kelvin Ridley's the one who has the most to prove and he has the most advantageous, he, advantageous uh, position on the depth chart. There's a there's a Julio Jones face towards the end of that blowout loss against the Rams last Sunday that became instantly memeable and I think is going to be surfacing throughout the rest of the season at the very least where he's just sitting frumpily on the side with his hands and his hips and uh, of course, nobody listening can see me doing this, but I'm, I'm actually illustrating what Julio Jones is looking like. And it was just such a disdainful, right <laughs> yeah, just, just disdainful frown that he had. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, certainly, Matt Schaub is going to limit the upside you'd imagine Jones would have. But a guy as talented as Julio Jones, I can't imagine he's going to be kept on check that much. Anyway, let's move over to the running backs. It was actually a great week for us, patting myself and Jake on the back right now, in terms of guys that we suggested of the pickups. Of course, I chastised you, and I thought for good reason on Chase. Edmonds, you suggested mm-hmm. he was the top pickup last week. I poo-pooed it, saying David Johnson's going to be healthy, uh, not going to be that big of a deal, and Chase Edmonds might be a one-hit wonder in terms of the touchdown production. That's very wrong, and I, I'll let you have the mm-hmm. floor now to mock me as I did it for you last week. Yeah, you know, I can't mock you too much because I went ahead and owned him in three leagues. How many leagues did I start him in? Zero, because uh, at least in two of those three leagues, I had David Johnson with the fact that David Johnson was going to play. Uh, okay, it makes more sense on paper to go ahead and play David Johnson. Um, also, I got I got uh, pushed away by Devin Singletary in actually two of those yeah. three leagues, too, thinking he had an awesome matchup and was going to come through. Uh, so for those reasons, Chase Edmonds ended up on my bench. Um, the two weeks before that, I had done a stake league strategy where I played both Johnson and Edmonds and just, what the heck, one of them is going to go for it. And I think that's going to be my running back strategy in stake league for uh, a good portion of the remainder of the year until I see what, I, what if anything, I can get out of Devin Singletary. Anyway, uh, still 48% owned for Chase Edmonds. He's been, um, I saw Matt Barry tweet this past week that said uh, Edmonds has as many uh, 20 plus rushing touchdowns today, as in last Sunday, as David Johnson had his, ent- his entire career. Um, so again, my argument last week was that there is some standalone value for Chase Edmonds, even with a healthy David Johnson. Now this proved that there's some standalone value because he was the workhorse and maybe we start to see a little bit more of a split here. So I think, uh, Edmonds not to overreact too much, but he's going to be a flexible guy on and off for the remainder of the season. Uh, going to be a little bit matchup dependent here, but whether Johnson's healthy or not, I think he's going to, he proved on Sunday why he deserves a share of that workload a little bit. And uh, both are going to be viable fantasy players, especially when we get a good matchup. He got the rookie quarterback that is going to be useful dumping the ball off to running backs. So uh, Edmonds remains the top pickup this week. Uh, there's a little question in my mind about it. He's only 48% owned, but hopefully, hopefully you listened to us last week and scooped him up and grabbed a bench spot because now the price is higher as a Barry fan it's Matthew Barry you can't call him Matt Barry Matt Barry is a, a different writer out there and he wants to make sure it's known as Matthew Barry he's wrote many articles about this Jake come on now you're supposed oh, to know it yeah I, <laughs> see I, I'm not like some religious follower of his stuff I just saw one of his tweets so Did I you don't just know say it is what I'm it is a religious like. follower because you are correct anyway <laughs> uh, I just wanted to tease you about that you're right and and at this point with Chase Edmonds and David Johnson I wonder if it's a similar situation to Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams, where you can start both each and every week. Certainly the Packers have been limited at receiver, but 
at this point, I think it's fair to say that each one works. And we don't know what the Cardinals are going to do every week. And we, we thought David Johnson was going to be healthy. And technically he was. He was active for the game and played the first series. And then the Cardinals proceed to do absolutely nothing else with DJ. So it remains to be seen, I think, what goes what, what, what's happening uh, moving forward with Chase Edmonds. But I do think he's worth having in there. And frankly, you probably could roll with him, similar to Jamal Williams in that sense. Daryl Henderson also had 11 carries uh, with Todd Gurley returning last week. Neither Gurley nor or, – or not last week, Sunday. Neither Henderson or Gurley really did anything on the ground. But I think it was interesting we finally got to see a little bit more of Daryl Henderson uh, as a guy that has already dropped in every league. Too little, too late. But great. Fantastic that we have the more explosive player out there. Uh, the other guy, Mark Walton. And we kind of tossed him at the end of the last podcast. He got 14 carries. And I think word out of the Miami Herald, the primary source for the Dolphins. Now, again, I don't want any share of the Dolphins offense besides maybe Devontae Parker. We'll talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Mark Walton has has surpassed Kenyon Drake by a significant margin now as the starting running back for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake's been on the trading block for a while now, and that's probably going to happen uh, sooner or later here, I would imagine, with the complete fire sale that is, uh, that is going on there in Miami. Um, so, yes, a starting running back, no matter how bad the team is, has some value in fantasy. Definitely doesn't lock them in for an RB2 every week, but uh, he's a guy that I still think you can get you know, for a couple bucks a fab, maybe single-digit fab flying under the radar, though I did see a couple leagues I was in where he was picked up uh, already, people getting ahead of the curve, maybe listening to me on the show. Uh, but nonetheless, he's, he's a name that is, is worth revisiting this week in addition to a few guys that uh, are starting to, uh, you know, starting to get roles and, and, and injuries are opening up roles as well. Well, if you were a, a Chase Edmonds stand last week and, and talking about him being the top pickup this week, I'll go on a not very far limb and say Ty Johnson, the backup running back for the Detroit Lions, is and should be one of the biggest waiver wire claims right now. I like I know we a few people spent a significant margin of their budget on Wayne Gallman. I think Ty Johnson is going to deserve that role as well. Carry on Johnson looks like he's gonna be out for a multi week absence. Mm-hmm. Absence knee injury. Knee looks injury. Like we don't really know much more information, of course. Uh, of this re- recording on Tuesday afternoon. But at this time, it looks like he's going to be out for a few games. If that's the case, I think Ty Johnson, he ran a four two six at his college combine day. Like He's a fast player. I, I'm not worried about what J.D. McKissick's going to do in terms of pass-catching roles. I think Ty Johnson could fit into that as well. This is about as big of an opportunity for Ty Johnson that he might have his entire career. And I anticipate, given how gamey the Lions have looked the past couple weeks, that this is an offense that I want as many shares as I possibly can have. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I can buy that. Um, I don't think you completely discount J.D. McKissick, especially when you get to those uh, kind of 16-team PPR formats. Sure. He, he had some flashes with Seattle where he, we know he's capable of busting out the big plays, so there's some value there. But I think Ty Johnson is the guy who gets most of the between, um, I mean, who gets most of the red zone carries and, and probably most of the between the 20 carries as well. Like you said, uh, six-round pick out of Maryland. Um Really, I, f- I have a feeling that uh, I think McKechnie's on tomorrow's show with uh, Mario, so he'll oh, yes. he'll give you the Ty Johnson special, the full well, breakdown the tomorrow, show, but yeah. or the Thursday show. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Wednesday's Jeff and the guests. Yeah, okay, but um, but yeah, but Ty Johnson. Uh, I think he is a top three pickup this week, absolutely. Edmund still has to be number one because he's 48% and he just sneaks under there. But by the time we're done recording this, maybe by the time you're listening to this, Edmunds is 51% or snatched up in your league. And that would be enough to give me uh, Ty Johnson. It's half skill, half opportunity. You alluded to the skill. He definitely gets the opportunity points here. So uh, I'm rolling with him, and it'll be short-term. We'll see what happens with on Johnson. It's tough to tell this early in the week. Um but you know he the season best playing time carries all 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 the marks in his favor this week. I think he'll continue to be all right moving forward and a pretty decent schedule. You know the Giants week eight, uh, the Raiders week nine, 
Bears, it gets a little tougher after that. Bears and Cowboys. Then you got Washington Bears, uh, Vikings, Tampa Bay. So there's there's going to be hit or miss matchups this week. But as long as he is the presumed workhorse, I think he's your guy. And like I said, one of the top pickups overall. I have carry on in a lot of different places. Regardless of that, I think Ty Johnson is going to be by far my biggest uh, waiver wire addition right now. And certainly I'm going to be spending 50 to 60, 70% of my budget on that. I think this is the guy that if you were waiting for a long time to go pick up, if you don't go after and be aggressive on the John Rosses, Terry McLaurins, Marquise Browns in week one, this is the guy that you're going to do it for. And I think wasting a high waiver wire claim mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for him. I want to touch on two smaller, at least notes on running backs. Kareem Hunt is now two weeks away from return. Our own Kevin Payne wrote in this week's waiver wire article that if you're going to look to get uh, Kareem Hunt, if he was already dropped by somebody that drafted him earlier, this is probably the point to do so. He's eligible to return in two weeks. I'm not sure. I, I Again, I, I was concerned about this even last year. The Browns are going to use Kareem Hunt to potentially get a compensatory pick out of him the following year. So they have to drop some sort of interest of him. I think he's going to cut into Chubb's workload just a little bit. But I'm not, sure, I, I, I'm not sure I really want to use a roster spot on him when we are really in the knee-deep in the bye week portion of the NFL season. Yeah, you know, maybe you consider again, I hate handcuffing, but maybe there's there's an angle here where if you're a Chubb owner and you have the extra roster spot, you make your small bid on him now and lock it up just to be safe. I mean, I'm still holding on to Rashad Penny in a lot of leagues Same. because I'm worried about Chris Carson's fumbling ability, or at least the leagues that I have Chris Carson. I still uh I, I, I hated handcuffing going into this year, but suddenly I find myself doing it more often. Yeah, we more spend often the whole podcast not. on it. Yeah, yeah, on why it's not necessarily necessary and maybe why there's three handcuffs, but now that we're in the season and, and the unique way some of these things are playing out especially after it worked out with me uh with chase edmonds uh i'm starting to warm up to the idea a little bit more but uh you're right i I don't pay a super high price for kareem hunt it's funny if you would have told me joe you're gonna have uh multiple defenses on probably 10 of your 13 fantasy leagues this year i would have said god i i must have lost control of every one of my leagues because there's no way that happened and yet that's been the most fruitful return if you have an extra roster spot at the moment the other one is like you said the handcuffing or backup running back to somebody else, whether it be Madison or Wayne Gallman or Chase Edmonds in particular, yeah. it's been a fruitful investment. I've got Penny, Edmonds, Malcolm Brown, you know, guys like that all over the place this year. Yeah, okay. And then the other running back, I, I didn't want to ignore your Malcolm Brown one, but that's, that's you got to get Daryl Henderson in there instead. Come on now, yeah, Jake. I know. We do this show enough uh, where we can have that down. Adrian Peterson was listed with both a high and low ankle sprain following the monsoon of a loss to the 49ers on Sunday. It was 9 nothing, uh, and thank God nobody had to watch that game other than 49er fans evidently it's not severe and he's going to be able to play it sounds like he's gonna be able to play this thursday against the vikings defense chris thompson was listed as a a non-participant in practice on monday so you have to imagine if he's not out there wendell smallwood would be the technical backup to adrian peterson Mm -hmm. i want absolutely no part of the redskins backfield but hey this is an option out there if you, for whatever the reason, want to torture yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Wendell Smallwood's my guy, but what's the best case scenario for him here? 20 cu- touches, so 20, 20 carries. <laughs> I was going to say 20 carries, 60 yards, but maybe that maybe that's even a little bit too too generous. Um, uh, th- this is a team that can't get a whole lot going on offense. They've, they've mailed it in. They're, they're kind of perpetually stuck in this purgatory. Um, I don't see – I mean, granted, they had a real tough matchup last week. I just – I don't. There's not much touchdown upside for Smallwood because I see the only way they score being some kind of big passing play, where maybe if someone falls scary down. Terry. Or, yeah, scary Terry is probably your best bet there. Um, but yeah, you're looking at like a five six point guy, and yeah, there's value in that in certain formats, but it's nothing that really excites you. You put it the best way. I know Thursday night games are always fluky, and we had a, a great a great 
option with the Patriots and Giants, what, two weeks ago, where everyone was anticipating a blowout and it only took to the third quarter for the Patriots finally to run up the score. And Golden Tate got me points. Right. So, so yeah, maybe if you want to roll the dice and whatever running back for the Redskins, I understand it. But when you're anticipating game scripts for this contest, there's just no outcome in my mind where the Redskins' offense – the Redskins offense, maybe defense touchdown, special teams, something like that occurs, where the Redskins offense scores more than two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that's where my concern lies and why I'm not really interested in any of the running backs. But I get it if you do need to go to that extent. Again, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Mark Ingram are yeah. both out this week. I mean, so if, maybe. if Chris Thompson's out, you mentioned that he didn't practice. That's a very good point. Uh, you know, Wendell Smallwood hasn't, he's only caught four passes this year. I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe in my head, I think of him as more of a pass catcher than he, he actually is. He was with the is. Eagles for some, yeah, some yeah. extent. But I think every running back's a pass catcher, catcher yes. with the Eagles, really. So I'm trying to determine how like how much of that is who he is as a person. And part of it, uh, you know, you went to West Virginia too, so I feel like they get running backs. Again, that's that's probably old instincts. that Steve are just Slayton, giving, stop yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that was the name I was looking for, dang it. Um, but yeah, no, it's those old instincts that make me, th- somehow all of those factors have me associate small with the pass catcher. But then I looked at the numbers. Um, I don't know. I guess he caught 35 balls for the Eagles last year. So it is in his arsenal, and they're going to be behind. And if Thompson doesn't play and he somehow gets an every-down role, uh, you know, I'm, I'm painting the best-case scenario for all these factors to fall into play. And even in that best-case scenario, nine fantasy points, maybe 11 right. in PPR. Right. And that's it's just a difficult proposition when only two teams – are on by not significant injuries other than the ones who touched on already. So we're going to move over to the receivers, but before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors here at World Fantasy Pools. Already knocked out of your survivor, survivor pool. Jake, are you out of the Rotoware one? I think I missed week one on accident. All right, there so, you go. There so you go. so only one of the two co-hosts here in this show are still live in their survivor pools. But did you end up losing early in the season or forgot to set it all together? Uh, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Well, wish there was an alternative when you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether our team wins or loses? Now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in more exciting twists. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve that stat line and you've advanced. Fail to and you'll be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all the rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. Again, that's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, moving over to the receivers. There is one injury to know, and it's Will Fuller had a hamstring injury. It sounds like it's significant to the point where he's going to miss some time. Of course, he has a a long history now of injuries, and I think hamstring is among those. So it's entirely possible that Kenny Stills now inserts himself into a very relevant role. Of course, he was kind of tossing in that Laird McTunsil trade to begin the season. Um, We saw that the Texans just trade away another third-round pick, the one that actually got for Jadavion Clowney, uh, to acquire Gary on Conley from the Raiders. Obviously, Bill O'Brien is all in. Roster construction aside, and it's very pitiful and stupid, uh, but... Ignoring all that, I think Kenny Stills is actually a pretty high pickup option right now. He had over 100 receiving yards last week. And along with DeAndre Hopkins, you know this team's going to have to pass. I think Stills has a lot of talent. Yeah, people will want to bring up Kiki Kuti, um, you know, Sure, he had the rushing touchdown, I believe, in that game. Um, but the route rates, uh, Kenny Stills had 95% compared to 76% for QT. So Stills is running routes, and he's running deep routes. And if you're hoping for that big Will Fuller-type game, I think Kenny Stills is your more likely candidate to get it. I mean, he's consistently been ahead in terms of snap counts, and I would imagine route rates. He did miss uh, two really juicy matchups, Week 5 against Atlanta, Week 6 against Kansas City. But... Uh, 
No, coming up, I think uh, he's definitely the player to own, and at only 12% owned, I think you can make a case for him being the top wide receiver pickup. I'm seeing Corey Davis at the top of a lot of lists out there. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'm sold on it, even with the quarterback change. You never really know what we're going to get there. I think, uh, and, and and the utility for someone like Stills is a little bit shorter. You've got Oakland, you've got at Jacksonville, remember, no Jalen Ramsey. Then you've got a bye week, and then you've got at Baltimore, Indy, New England. So it's, it's a rough schedule rest of season, but Houston, the way that they play is going to find themselves in a lot of shootouts and I think Stills is going to benefit and uh, just a couple details on Fuller's injury quote a rather significant hamstring uh, pull and we're looking at uh, multiple weeks so uh, right now the return date's a question mark I think Stills is your top wide receiver pickup this week yeah I I completely agree with you and again game script is important when considering or comparing Corey Davis to Kenny Stills right like best case scenario Davis gets 100 receiving yards and a touchdown against the Titans we saw the best case scenario for a guy like Will Fuller when he had that uh, three or four touchdown game and 200 plus mm-hmm. receiving yards and 14 targets. Now, Fuller probably never does that again. I don't think Kenny Stills gets there either. But that's the that's the best case scenario is the higher ceilings of the two. And I don't think it's I think it's not even debatable that Kenny Stills has the higher upside. Consistency remains a factor, and and what the Texans' offense gives you every single week is probably a little bit different or fluctuating compared to what the Titans do. But I don't know if we really know exactly what Tannehill is going to be in that Titans offense. And they're still going to be relying on Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis and the defense to win you games. Whereas I think the Texans offense, like you point out, is going to have to be the big reason why they continue to contend in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. this Corey Davis thing is interesting the more I look at it. I was about to scream, he had his best game by a mile. Well, technically against the Falcons in week four, he had five for 91 and a touchdown. Everyone does. Yeah, everybody has their best game against the Falcons. So we can, uh, we can discount that, especially wide receivers. But uh, I do like the upcoming schedule for Corey Davis. He's worth a small bid. Do I pick him up and immediately throw him into my lineup? Uh, most likely not. Uh, but uh, Stills would definitely be my first choice here. The one advantage that Davis has over Stills is maybe a little bit, I guess two advantages, maybe a little bit better schedule. And uh, his role's pretty much going to stay the same throughout the course of the season, whereas Stills eventually, maybe fantasy playoff time, Fuller comes back and, and muddies it up a little bit. But for now, for the next three, four weeks, uh, it's Stills, and it's not super close for me. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a couple of... Uh, Odd again. It was a weird week seven in fantasy. But a couple of odd stat lines. Zach Pascal, I think, had two touchdowns over 100 mm. receiving yards, and Alex Erickson, what would be what the fourth or fifth string receiver for the Bengals, if everyone was healthy, had 14 targets, eight catches for 137 yards in the loss Sunday for the Bengals. I'm not reaching to go and get either one, but I'm curious, Jake, to to some extent, how interested you are in either of those players. I'm not super interested in Pascal, even though he had the good game. He played less than 50% of the snaps, so I think the other, uh, you know, the other receivers, although not a ton to get excited about, the other indie receivers might be better off if you're looking to strike lightning on a, on a random given week. Um, you know, at the, the only thing Pascal has going for him, you know, if you look at all the factors, is that he's done it once. So um, he's someone that's going to stay on the waiver wire for me. I don't, I don't have any leagues where I probably bid on him. Um, Erickson, as much as I want to jump on him as a former Badger grade, it's like he was mad about their loss or something. Um, but 14 targets, that's what stood out to me. He had as many targets as Tyler Boyd and was way more effective. Granted, Tyler Boyd is going to get uh, the most attention from opposing defenses, and rightfully so. Alex Erickson, until this week, I thought was a kick returner. Um, he was, and he still is, I think. Yeah, I mean, still, he's still, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is I thought of him as a kick returner and nothing more. How dare um, you apparently. make fun of Trevor Davis like that? That's the same yes, type of player. Exactly, the same, the same kind. Of, Tavon Austin, does he 
he fit in there? Maybe he's a little nah, shifty. He actually has more of a, a scat back. Here, I'm going to throw a running play at you randomly mm-hmm. sort of roll. Yes, Stavon Austin's too. more likely to be used in a trick play than either of those <laughs> yeah. guys. Exactly. Okay, fair enough. But um, yeah, you know, you see the one week, you get excited about it. Um, I don't think I'm ready to drop any kind of meaningful fab on either of those guys. Who would have thought that the Bengals offense, for as bad as they have been and as bad as Andy Dalton has looked, could be one of the more prominent junk time offenses out there right now? Mm-hmm. Certainly the Falcons come to mind as an immediate option, but yeah. we've seen Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Alex Erickson all have ridiculous fantasy numbers at one point or another throughout the year. And yet, in most cases, you weren't starting any of those guys yeah. when they actually went off. Exactly. I mean, that's the theme of this week, right? You're, it's it's all bench scoring this week. It's, and the thing is, is uh, Erickson wasn't necessarily on your fantasy bench to start with. No, I don't know. I, I just I've gotten so frustrated by this whole Bengals team. You know, needing just small amounts of points out of guys like Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert. The Tylers have really let me down a lot on multiple fantasy occasions this year. Um, I'm not excited to buy back in, in in any one of these cases, especially for something that to me I see as a little bit fluky. Speaking of not being excited to buy back in, don't look now. Devontae Parker in his last three weeks in PPR scoring, 17, 11.8, 16.5. For as many problems as Brian Fitzpatrick has as a starting quarterback, and there are many, he will pass the ball, and they will be aggressive moving the ball much more than Josh Rosen was. Are you at all interested in starting Devontae Parker? I think at this point he's probably going to be acquired in most leagues or picked up based off a of talent and what we know Devontae Parker could be as a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But would you want to start him if you had to, if you were missing a few of those Ravens or Cowboys yeah. players? Well, to give it some context, in Stake League, I am the proud owner of Devontae Adams and Josh Gordon and Marquise Brown, and we start three wide receivers. Uh-huh. So last week was the second week in a row I started Devontae Parker. He's only 14% owned on Yahoo, and I've been pleasantly surprised with it. The first week, actually, I think I've started him three weeks in a row now because of that dreadful situation I just described. Uh, the first week, I was like, ha, 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 you know, I chuckled. I got a touchdown. Like, oh, I got lucky. The second week's like, whoa, he did it again. How long can this last? And then now it's his third week in a row scoring a touchdown. Um the refrain on him is quite similar. He, I mean, he's consistently uh, disappointed from a fantasy perspective. But then, again, people forget that he's a 26-year-old still, and he was drafted 14th overall. Exactly. So there's there had to have been something there all along. You know, he's had, he's had his disagreements with the various Miami coaching staff. He's underwhelmed significantly. But now he's one touchdown away from his career high. Um, he looks like he's on pace to set career highs in a lot of categories. Uh, the drops are down. Um this is a team you can expect to be behind exactly, just about too. all the time. I know we tried to, uh, you know, we tried to talk ourselves into guys like Preston Williams and Albert Wilson. Um, even Alan Hearns is on that roster, a name you've heard before. But uh, Devontae Parker, to me, he is the guy there, and uh, there's there's value in that. Um, again, I don't see a ton of dump your whole fab out, but. Uh, and who knows if the if the crazy scoring streak can continue? But he's out there on the field, you know, for a high high percentage. It's always eighty percent of the snaps or more against a team that's behind. And there's some kind of value in that if he decides he wants to get his head on right here and uh, and try to start producing. I can't. I got to look up if he's in a contract year or not. But uh, yeah, I think he is. Or they sign him to an extension for two years. But given how the fire sale has been for Miami now for much of the season and the off season as well, you have to imagine that he's playing for another team, right? Like that. That's, that's kind of what this production is right now. Yeah, you know, I'm looking down. It looks like a two-year, $5 million contract uh, that he has. So uh, he is technically under contract with the Viking, or with the Dolphins next year. So maybe that helps He could go to value. the Vikings. That's actually a, a pretty good one, especially <laughs> with Adam Thielen. That would make a lot of maybe sense. Out. Yeah, I know my, uh, my Freudian slips somehow. I don't know why Vikings are on my mind. $4.4 million next year. That's not the worst value for a 27-year-old first-round pick who uh, could continue to grow. So um, 
yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, is there is something to like here. A lot of people, I know everyone, you know, everyone that's listening to this has been burned by Devonte Parker oh, once, yeah. twice, three times in the past. Um, but it's there. It, there, there is something there. And you know, if you if you can't get Kenny Stills or you get on outbid for Kenny Stills, throw a backup bid or in on Devonte Parker. It's better than dead weight on your roster. I agree with you on that one. And I, I almost I feel like it's fair, especially since I went to the game this Sunday to talk a little bit about the Packers receiving core. Now, of course, this could change as of this recording Tuesday. The Packers are certainly in on the hunt, potentially trading for a receiver. We don't know the stats of Devonte Adams for Sunday night's primetime game against the Chiefs. He could very well return. It seemed like that was. Very very uh, real possibility this week. Alan Lazard played 85% of the snaps, uh, snaps on Sunday. Of course, he was the hero in the Monday Night Win over the Lions. Jake Kumaro at 72%, Allison 57 MVS or Marquez Velasquez-Scantling 33%. Now, the latter was mainly due to injury. He just didn't look effective out there, and there was many times mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, where is MVS? I'm wondering where, and they just had him out there, or they had taken him out. So I get it. And they didn't really need MVS until the last play where he kind of had the mm-hmm. dagger and scored that 75-yard touchdown, dagger. which looks yeah. really, really easy. Mm-hmm. I love Alan Lazard. I really do, and I, I've, spent, uh, I've spent a lot of time on different radio hits throughout last week, and I will again this week, talking about his talent. I think if you have Lazard, Adams, and whatever receiver, ended up being MVS or Emmanuel Sanders, whoever they trade for, as those top three, I think you might do okay. And if that's the case, Lazard is worth picking up in more than whatever Yahoo mm-hmm. uh, percent he has right now. Yeah, even as a Packers fan, Lazard to me is, I mean, the window expired on this a little bit, but he's a GPP DFS play or a deeply uh, desperation play because of the looming trade, because eventually um, – these guys are going to get healthy eventually, so short-lived. Uh, the 85% of the snaps is encouraging. The fact that he only had four targets in that 85% were not. Uh, it seems like when this receiving core is as banged up as it is, it's going to be Rodgers' uh, prerogative to spread the ball around as much as possible. Um, and, you know, the guys with the most targets in the passing game were Geronimo Allenson and Jamal Williams still. So it's funny. You look at the box score, the guys with the most targets were the guys with the least receiving yards, but, you know, they ended up with four catches. So we had, what, four guys with four catches and then a few more beyond that. Um, I don't get excited about these guys in your standard 12-team redraft leagues. There are unique niche scenarios where I would consider uh, deploying these guys, but they're going to get healthy and... Um, you're basically hoping to strike lightning and get one big play out of these guys. If that Scantling play went to uh, Lazard, then we'd be having a very different conversation right now, it feels like. Two uh, different Scantling plays, frankly. There's the mm-hmm. opening deep pass to start the second half on a play action that many people, including myself and my dad, who I was watching the game with or was at the game with, was like, man, that was Jordy Nelson. That's Jordy Nelson's play. And it was 100% true, just a deep post uh, that Rodgers threw open. MVS made a great catch. And then, of course, the, the run at the end of the game, uh, which was just a, a simple out that Gary and Conley blew yep. and was subsequently traded. And there was another one of those on a play where they were jumped off sides, but I think the refs, yeah, the, yeah, that was Allison. The refs called it unevaded to the quarterback. So, yep. I mean, with the amount of times that Rodgers runs that, again, there's going to be a receiver or two each week that probably catches lightning in a bottle um, because it seems like, uh, you know, the, the league's going to continue to allow that to happen. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to cognizantly start one yeah. of these players every week you can do it in dfs tournaments because you're hoping to get your 0.5 percent owned stud um so there's a spot for it there but i it's not i don't know just for me there's not a ton i don't own any pat outside of Devonte adams currently eating up a roster spot in stake league i don't have any pass catching options from the packers in any leagues I had to start Lazard and Stake League, so that's how bad my team is doing right now at this point. But I agree with you for the most part, unless 
you're in specific scenarios or in really deep leagues, uh, IR spots kind of take it up. It's tough to rely on any one of those guys right now, and I think we kind of have to wait to see what Adam's for, health is. Real, real quick for context, I got asked on the radio because I do some Boise State stuff. Uh, they asked about Cedric Wilson of the Cowboys because Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb all came in with injury designation. So they wanted to know if their Boise State guy could do, some, could do something. And then I said, well, okay, if you're thinking about that, then you – Try thinking about Alan Lazard instead because he actually has a little bit of a clearer path. He's got the trust of his quarterback to some degree, and he'll have a higher snap count. And there, there's one situation where I was like, okay, if you're thinking about doing this, try Alan Lazard. But like the, the point here is that they have to be very, very unique. Maybe it's just the fogginess from the cold that I have currently on that I'm suffering through. But when you said uh, Cedric Wilson, the first thought I came was to Cedric Benson. Like that's how far down we are. When <laughs> Cedric Benson. Yeah. So and of course, Chicago the, Bear. The, great. The, the since since departed um, Cedric Benson. But yeah, that was that was the first thought. Of that anyway. All right. Unfortunately, the tight ends and defenses are not going to be uh, two prominent spots. But before we talk about them, I want to get a word from our sponsor, Stash. Your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash all in one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? I know I do. Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for your kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guides. Personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs, and they'll even earn you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity. Investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments LLC and an SEC registered investment advisor. Debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. All right, well, let's talk about those tight ends and defenses real quick before we head on this Tuesday podcast. We talked about Luke Wilson. Quite frankly, I don't know what he did in replace of Will Disley. You'd have to tell me, but I don't think it was anything noteworthy. Noah Fant had a very one noticeable drop against the Chiefs. That could have made a big difference maker in that blowout loss on Thursday night. Needless to say, it's a tough position to try and pick through right now. Mm-hmm. Vance Slim Pickens. It was Jacob Hollister who caught passes for Seattle, not yeah. Luke Wilson. Yeah. We're just throwing darts there. You know? Yeah, Vance McDonald uh, might have been dropped during the Steelers' bye week. He does play the Dolphins this week. It's very possible that uh, Mason Rudolph, I think, is going to be back on our center this yep. week. 50% tar- owned for Vance McDonald. So I think given that he... We can call him your top, our top tight end pickup this week because he meets that threshold right on the dot. The big thing with Lance McDonald is we've got tight end route data on the Rotowire website lately, and uh, his run route percentage is 89.8%, where he only blocks on 10.2% of plays. So you have a starting pass catch, pass catching first tight end on you know a mediocre team. I guess we we can call him that. So uh, I the think only that he concern would be is guy. that they're going to have are they going to have to pass the ball against the Dolphins and I actually think with Ryan Fitzpatrick on our center this is going to be a little bit closer of a contest than a lot of people anticipate I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just a weird feeling but I, I was sitting my survivor pool pick this week and I looked at that one obviously you're going against the Dolphins every single week and that's you've had success thus far but when I was comparing that to the Redskins versus Vikings on Thursday night and I had the Vikings or Steelers. I'd much rather go the Vikings that direction. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd prefer the Vikings because again, it's the Steelers with a backup quarterback. Monday night things get weird. You never really know. Uh, so, so anyway, but but the whole point of all this is that Vance McDonald at fifty percent should be your tight end plug in. It should be the first name you type in when you're searching players on the waiver wire. But when you get past that, 
it's pretty grim, Joe. Yeah, Dallas Goddard, 13% owned is probably the next option. I think uh, I had speculatively picked him up in the case that the Eagles might trade Zach Ertz for Jalen Ramsey. That was discussed on numerous occasions on multiple Ooh, different sites. That never occurred. Obviously, Ramsey went to the Rams. I don't know if I feel great about having Goddard anymore, but if you need to stream an option, a tight end mm-hmm. this week with Mark Andrews out uh, and Jason Witten, yeah. I, you know, I hate to say it, but I've had to start Witten on a few yeah. occasions. Maybe Goddard, who scored a touchdown last exactly. week, is an option. Needless to say, I'm not doing very great in the 16-man league, but I, I picked, I had O.J. Howard at the draft and didn't uh, pick up anybody else, and I needed a quick streamer in a 16-team league, so I picked up Goddard, and it worked out. Um, but again, it, this, is, uh, this, is, this is a wheel of uh, many, many different outcomes, possibly, if you're going to spin that wheel. So uh, yeah, he might get a touchdown, and it worked. Uh, I'm, we're just... We're just straight uh, names here because is Goddard really any worse than Noah Fant in a given week? No, you know, no, no. You're, no, pl- no. you're I, playing touchdown roulette here, and he's another guy. And uh, I do want to hit the other side of that Pittsburgh-Miami game just a second. Um, not that it's, he's going crazy necessarily, but perhaps things change with uh, Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, we saw him go to Cameron Brig quite a bit with the Bucks last year. Mike Jacecki starting to come on. Just a little bit. He was pretty quiet for the first four weeks until the bye. Then week six against Washington. He was targeted seven times, caught three for 51. Week seven at Buffalo, he was targeted four times, caught all four of them for 41 yards. I mean, those are eight and nine point PPR days. So there might be a little bit of value there. And we're only bringing it up because of the sorry, sorry state of the tight end market in 2019. Yeah. And to your point, the Steelers actually have the fourth most points to the tight end position per game. It goes the Cardinals who actually double up the next, next highest one. Buccaneers number two, Raiders three, Steelers number four. It's possible that Jacecki has a little bit of a performance thing, and if you're going to roll the dice again, is he much better than Noah yeah. Fant? No, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think so, and yeah. you're kind of just hoping for that kind of production. <laughs> yeah, as we're, do, as we're doing this, I'm doing more research. 93.4% uh, routes for Jacecki, and people forget that he was a second-round pick just a couple years ago, so he's got the draft pedigree, he's out there to catch passes, and he's been getting more volume, and the matchup's good. So if we really wanted to pull together a narrative for a possible tight end streamer this week, I, I think he, I think you're, you're doing okay there if you go with that. The defense has obviously been one of the more lucrative fantasy positions out there. I think I saw a quote, at least for the Patriots, that if you were to take their defensive production and put it at quarterback, they would have been quarterback three in fantasy, mm-hmm. at running back quarterback, or and running back six, yeah, and wide I mean, receiver entering, four. Yeah, entering last week, I think, yeah, it was one running back receiver, one was four, one was six, and that definitely didn't change after this week. That's wild. So, And I, I haven't done the math yet because, uh, well, frankly, I'm just a little bit lazy, but I'll be, I'll be curious to see what it would end up adding up. I bet you targeting the, the Dolphins or Redskins would get close to a fantasy defense two or three. And again, we're looking at the Steelers, 50% owned right on the marker there against mm-hmm. the Dolphins this week. Vikings are going against the Redskins. I have to imagine the Vikings are pretty well owned everywhere. But if you are aggressive in trying to plan out accordingly, which I think you should do if you have an extra roster spot, targeting teams that play the Redskins, uh, Bengals, or, again, the Dolphins, might be the best bet mm-hmm. for that last roster spot like you did with the Steelers who are on a bye. Yeah, at the very least, you can get them for zero fab dollars instead of one or two fab dollars. Right. Uh, so I'm going to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' availability at 50% this week. Obviously, Dolphins, you know, no analysis needed there. Um, you mentioned the Lions at 9% owned on Yahoo. They get the Giants this week. And I they're like the home that team. one sneakily. Yeah, that could be good because Daniel Daniel Jones will turn the ball over once or twice. I mean, that's Get pretty much a given. Eight times last week, the Giants' mm-hmm. offensive line didn't look great. Now, Darius Slay did uh, leave the Sunday contest against the Vikings at some point. We don't know his health stats. I think that makes a big Him difference. Him and Diggs have been banged up like for quite a bit for correct. most of for correct. most of the year. And, and last week, I remember I did the Lions and Actives, and uh, last week was the first time for, since way early in the season that they were both out there together. But it didn't last. So 
there's a question mark there, I suppose. The top defense, I actually believe, if Matt Ryan is going to be out in all indication, at least Tuesday of this recording, seems like it's possible, is the Seattle defense. Six. I I think it's entirely possible, and and I can't imagine 75-year-old Matt Schaub is really going to be able to move the ball that effectively, despite Mm -hmm. the weapons that they have. We don't know if Devonta Freeman will be suspended for punching Aaron Donald when he had his helmet on in the head. I never get that. I never never Neither do I. So it's, it's possible that they could be missing a number of weapons, and if that's the case, at 47% owned, I would much rather have the Seattle defense that can get to the pass rush, although we haven't seen it all that often, and have playmakers for a potential defense touchdown if an event were to occur like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, the over-under .5 pick sixes for Matt Schaub, I mean, the money line on the over <laughs> is probably minus money. Yeah. So for that reason, yeah, if Matt Ryan doesn't play, yeah, you go ahead and go with the Seattles. I don't, I don't care. If uh, if the Falcons were playing Miami, you'd probably stream the Miami defense against Matt Schaub the way yes. this goes. Yes. So maybe I'm taking a little bit too hard. But, man, um, punching people with a helmet on, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get past that. Punch them in the stomach or go for the throat, guys. Like This isn't that hard. <laughs> That's a great way to end the podcast. Uh, yes, make sure you punch them in the stomach or go for the throat. And that applies to your fantasy leagues as well. So best of luck to your fantasy labs. We'll see you guys again next Tuesday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.